0: all right guys welcome back to another episode of fields of fortune If it's your first time here um, i am your host christian fields recent college graduate financial professional uh list of things right whatever you want to call me but um, nonetheless man i'm here to give you guys um, unbiased um useful digestible financial information to, to make you all more financially savvy um in your own lives right so Uh, We're going to jump right into it. Uh, I always start off with a market recap. Then we're going to jump into some important information about taxes. Right. Why, in my personal opinion, only my personal opinion, I believe taxes will raise in the next 18 months or so. Right. Um, And not only why they will raise, but I'm going to give you guys some tips on what you can do as just an individual person. Right. You don't have to be some rich person or a business owner or anything like that to to lower your tax liability but i'm going to show you how to lower your tax liability right just two easy examples so stay tuned for that but before we jump into any of that um as usual this episode is brought to you by overdue recognition art gallery uh buoy's first and only african-american art gallery located right in the heart of Bowie town center uh they have contemporary art and sculptures originals fine art reproductions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Currently over 40 black artists, uh, but growing at a a rapid rate. Um, Not only do they buy and sell their own art, but they operate in the secondary market services. So if you want to buy and sell another piece of art, they can assist in the sale of that. um, And they've helped transact Creations, I should say, from artists like Jacob Lawrence, William Tolliver, and Charles Bibbs, just to name a few. Um, they also do art auction fundraisers. They're involved in the community, so they have fundraisers for schools, various nonprofits. Um, guys, if you haven't been, please go check it out. Contact Fine Art at OverdueRecognition.com or Overdue Recognition Gallery on all social platforms. Okay. Now let's jump into our market recap. So the the market, the stock market, is actually on a six week uh, run of of being positive, right? Um, at the end of every week, so it's it's pretty crazy, right? We were up one percent last week on the S and P. Uh, the Nasdaq was up ninety four basis points, and uh, the ten year yield, excuse me, ten year bond yield was up about one basis point, so barely any movement there. But Last week was a very important week um, in the world of finance because two things were released, right? Inflation and GDP. And that's gonna be um, a key indicator as to why I believe taxes will be raised uh, in the next you know, 18 months or so. So let's jump. You know what, first I'm gonna give you guys some, some business week information, right? So you understand what's going on on the economic side, right? Because you gotta understand the business cycle to understand the economic cycle and vice versa, right? So there are a lot of layoffs going on right now. Um, 24,000 to be exact in January alone, right? And we're still in the first month of January. So I'm sorry, the first month of the year. So Macy's laid off 3.5% of its workforce. Um, This was crazy, I'm not sure how long it took, but 3.5% is a pretty big chunk, right? Um, A lot of tech giants, Google, Apple, Meta, um, others just to, to name a few, are doing a lot of layoffs. Um, They're laying off everything from operational workers, so people on the the floor of the stores, to people behind the scenes making big decisions, right? It looks like nobody's safe, (laughs) right? We're not sure what is going on, but um, it it is very alarming, to say the least. The reason for this is, at least in my own research, is primarily because of AI. Now, this has been a big concern Uh, with the rise of AI in the last, you know, two, three years, I should say, uh, will it replace human jobs? Well, it's looking like it depends, right? Uh, For a company working in tech, right? They're more tech centered than something like a Walmart, right? Or a Target, uh, where they have a lot of foot traffic and things like that. But um, Google, you know, no one goes to Google to buy the you know the new Google phone or, or whatever it may be. You go through another phone uh, dealer. Or, you know you ordered online or whatever it may be. So um, they have a lot more. I guess uh, they're a lot more apted to lean towards AI workers for their jobs because not only are they tech companies, but there's not much of a physical storefront for them to you know uh, need people for. Now Apple's a different story, um, but I'm sure Apple. It's trying to catch up to the AI race. Um, they, you know, it, with NVIDIA kind of having its last year boom and Microsoft passing. Uh, what was it? Who did they pass? I believe it was Meta. They passed Meta for the, um, no, it was Amazon, excuse me. They passed Amazon for the largest company in the world in market cap size, meaning stock market value. Right. I'm not sure if they stayed there because only passed by a few billion. Oh, a few, a few billion sounds so. You know, um, out of touch with reality, right? But for the size of these trillion-dollar companies, a billion is not a lot. But anyway, uh, yeah, please be on the lookout for AI. Um, be aware of what may happen in your own life with it, because right now we're in the early stages, right? Or, I mean, it, it's in the the child development stage of AI. Um, we're not sure how it's going to be implemented in everyday life. Um, to an extent, it has, if you want to count, you know, like a Siri on your phone or whatever it may be. But I'm talking more expensive right about the the big move from a regular cashier to self-checkout you know something like that may happen again so um please be on the lookout for what is going on and stay tuned with me because i'm going to keep you guys updated as usual now some uh stocks to look out for right not saying to buy or sell but just to keep on your radar because this is purely information right not advice uh, cannabis is coming off the narcotics list in Germany, which means it's pretty much being decriminalized um, like it's been in Canada and other countries. Right. Uh, the federal government, our federal government, U.S. government may lower. Um, it's been talked that they will lower uh, marijuana or, or cannabis from a schedule one to a schedule three drug, meaning it's a. Uh, less serious on the, the list of crimes, right? It's less of a priority for the for the DEA, essentially, right? Now, this is going to open up that window for more cannabis companies to go public. Um, as laws get passed, it's going to make these companies perform better, right, with, with their product. Um, for example, alcohol sales are down 10 to 15% uh, last year, 2023, in states where marijuana has been legalized right? 10 to 15% is a big drop. Um, You have to look at demographics when you're talking about who's buying this product, whereas it's it's usually the young people, right? The younger people are much more liberal with the uh, the side of marijuana than the older generation, right? So appealing to an entire new crowd of people who are, you know, entering their adult lives, they have money, they're free to do what they want, and it's legal. Well, you're going to see some big changes there. So um, keep an eye out on some cannabis stocks. If you all want some specific uh, tickers to keep a lookout for, I will do some research. Um, Just leave a comment in my Q&A section at the end of the podcast. But to continue, EV demands are far below, uh, I guess, expected, you could say. So Ford, Ford planned to go fully electric within the next decade, and they started the construction of the F-150 EV. Now. If you know anything about ford right and their i guess the culture behind their brand right this um big huge you know off-road vehicle that kind of you know it it rules the world the the road excuse me um it's kind of like very like masculine macho you know the ev side of it does not get the same respect (laughs) right Uh, just amongst amongst consumer sentiment people don't people don't look at uh, ev and think like oh it's Super macho, and you know, no, it's it never gets that. So, Ford has actually slowed down their um production of this F 150 EV by 50% more than 50%, right? And I believe that's what it comes down to. It's just consumer sentiment at the end of the day. Um, uh, expected you know, orders and sales are not living up to what expected to be. Um, and Tesla as well is having issues, which they have been you know, on and off if you've been in the in the stock market for the past few years, and you've heard Tesla, 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 well, you know it's like top five most volatile stocks <laughs> on the market, right? Um, it is it is crazy, um, and it's because the internals of their company are going through a lot, right? When Tesla first came out, it was really the, the only large company that focused solely on EV. Um, now it's not. Now you have Polestar. Now you have Rivian, uh, which I actually test drove. I test drove a Rivian. And it was insane. Uh, it was it was crazy. It was like this six ton SUV, super heavy, you know, with that EV battery, but fast, very fast. But, you know, that's just an example. I also drove a Tesla. Right. I, I drove up driven both. And personally, I'm taking the Rivian over the Tesla. Now, the Rivian is double the cost, you know, but of, of the cheapest model that is. But the quality was was better. Right. It didn't feel like. I had a bunch of, you know, like plastic parts and the ride felt smoother. Um, It had a lot more, uh, I guess, infotainment on the inside. So there was a lot more tech stuff that was a a little more upgraded than the Tesla. Right. not I say the Tesla isn't. I mean, the car drives itself. Right. So we can't say it doesn't have tech, but for the average person. Right. Who's kind of ambiguous about having a self-driving car and they just want those extra little knickknacks on the inside. Right. Um, like a removable speaker, for example, right? The, the Rivian had a removable speaker. Um, that's something that they would lean towards, right? The Rivian. So I think Tesla's just going to have to reinvent itself, right? It's kind of had the same label slapped on it for a couple years. That's normal. Um, and also, you know, not to mention Elon has been uh, pretty controversial lately. Elon Musk, that is. Uh, so we will see what happens with that. But Let's jump into one more subject before we get into those um, raised taxes and GDP. Uh, We're going to talk about mortgage, right? The state of U.S. mortgages, uh, where we are, just how uh, crazy this situation is, right? So again, all the information I give you is data pulled off of the Internet. I fact check it. um, And that's what I'm here to do, right? I'm I'm your information liaison, right? So U.S. pending home sales, meaning the amount of homes uh, currently under contract for being sold, not just being built, but under contract for being purchased, um, jumped 8% in December. But we we are still at three decade lows, right? So we haven't seen uh, an amount of home sales this low since, you know, a little past the early 2000s, right? Late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and that's because the average home price is ridiculous here. Um, Here is in the United States. If you were tuned into the podcast a few weeks ago, you remember that fact I threw out. Um, Since 2019, home prices have increased 41% on average, right? The the average home uh, price has increased 41%. Well, there's one problem with that, right? The average salary hasn't increased 41% since then, right? So um, there's an imbalance, Right? Prices of everything are going up for homes. People are not making more money to buy these homes. Um, We are, let me see, we are 25% lower in home sales than 2019. So, again, that same year, 2019 was kind of the, I guess you could say the last year before it it skyrocketed, right? Home prices skyrocketed. Um, We are 25% lower in pending home sales than five years ago. Um, The average 30 year mortgage, right, which most people, Uh, finance on their house is 6.69%. It is decreasing. It was 7.03% in December, um, and it was even higher early last year. Um, But here's the the big kicker, right, that I wanted you all to hear. If you compare the median household income in the United States to the average household, average price of a household in the United States, 16% of Americans were able to afford a house in 2023. I mean, that is that is terrible, right, guys? 16% of people were able to afford a brand new, uh, not even a brand new, just a a home new to them in 2023. Um, Something has to give up, right? And again, just my opinion. Um, I believe the situation will go one of two ways. Uh, We're going to see interest rates on... Mortgages continue to lower as um, Fed interest rates lower, right? Which is kind of what's been happening. Uh, but mortgage rates are are not uh, going down as quickly at all, right? <laughs> not going down quickly at all. But as they lower, uh, home prices will either make a large jump, you know, because interest rates have gone down and maybe more people will get approved, uh, you know, with their, their credit situation, um, or if the situation permits for too long, um, the home price, you know, w- we'll find out it's a bubble of home prices and it'll burst. Right. And, you know, what happens with the bubble? You fill it up, you fill it up, you fill it up. So prices go up, 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 up. And then you pop the bubble and prices come crashing down. So I believe uh, one or two situations w- will happen. Right. One of those. And I believe uh, we'll know probably by summer was what's happening with that um because right now we're going to get into some more interest rate information uh to explain why. So, there was a 88% chance in December of 2023 there was an 88% chance that uh interest rates would be lowered in March of this year. Now, if you've been tuning in, you know all about interest rates and why they're important, but just to give you a quick sum up if it's your first time listening, uh interest rates pretty much control the prices of everything we buy, right? Our our food, our energy, our oil, um, all those, those things that you pay every day, your utility bills, your gas to go to work, that cup of coffee in the morning. Um, interest rates are all tied to that because these companies fluctuate the price of their products based off of how much they have to pay to the bank, right? So there was an 88% chance that interest rates would go down, which means you, the listener, would have Lower expenses, right on on things that you normally buy, but uh, as of last week, that chance has almost been cut in half. Forty four percent chance now, forty six, excuse me, percent chance that uh, interest rates will lower in March of twenty twenty four. Now this may sound alarming, uh, but in reality, it could be a good thing, and here's why: the prices of everything. That we spend on, right? Our food, our energy, our gas, whatever it may be, um, has been coming down steadily over the past, I would say, eighteen months to two years. It's been it's been going down at a pretty good rate. Not back to what it uh, used to be. And when I when I say used to be, most of the time I'm referring to pre-COVID because that's kind of when you know inflation, and interest rates got out of hand. So it's not back to what it used to be. Uh, but it's it's we're, we're getting there. Right. We're getting better as uh, months go on. Now, last week, uh, core PCE was released. Right. So, again, if you've been tuned in, you know what inflation is um, and you should know what core PCE is by now. So personal consumption expenditures is essentially inflation. The average cost of uh, well excuse me, the average change in the cost of goods and services. Um, stripping out food and energy, because food and energy are the most volatile, right? So it's looking at um, just the core things that we pay for that are a little bit more stable um, so that we can get more of a, a raw idea of how much prices are changing. So anyway, PCE uh, came in at 2.9% for December. Um, this is the first time being under 3% since 2021. Now, this is significant because the 50-year average prior to COVID um, was 2.7%. And that was kind of the average goal, right? It's like, let's keep it 2.7 is a a good, it's high enough to grow because prices should be growing as people make more. and, And that's part of, you know, keeping the business cycle, uh, steady and the economic cycle steady. Uh, but inflation was far too high as you all know, right? Uh, June of 2022 inflation hit 9%, right? It was, it was ridiculous, right? If you went to go buy a gallon of milk, it was like, you know, $8, $9, 8 $9, depending on what part of the country you lived in. I mean, it was it was crazy, right? So we are seeing good news on that end. Um, now, I believe the issue with the stock market is that, you know, we don't know how the market is truly reacting. Um, the market with this six week bull run could just be a little too excited to hear about interest rates um, before they're even lowered, right? Um, it could be a little too excited to hear about a core PCE, right, going down. i um, inflation. That is, or it could be right on target, right? Maybe this is what people want to hear. They say, okay, everything's starting to cost less. I want to invest more in these companies, right? Um, these companies are lowering, lowering their cost. Um, they're able to do more production now. Now that interest rates are getting lower, which means um, they're going to make more money. Which means if you invest in them, you're going to make more money. So. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, um, but that would be an entire, uh, entirely different conversation. Now we're going to jump a little bit back into the politics, a um, little bit of a continuance from from last year's conversation. So, excuse me, last week's conversation. Um, let's get right into it. So, we're going to talk about GDP, Gross Domestic Product. This is the value of goods and services produced in an a given country, right? So produce on American soil, the value of all our goods and services up in 2023. That is um, our GDP was 28 trillion, right? Incredible, right? Very high. Um, That's not the problem, for for example, right? It's it's, that's not where the issue lies. Um, The issue lies in debt. Now, GDP is 28 trillion, which means everything we produce is worth, you know, in in the last year, at least 28 trillion. But our debt, our our federal debt, our national debt, whatever you want to call it, is 34 trillion. This is where the problem lies. Um, We we owe more than we're making. Right. It's it's pretty much that simple. Um, The the U.S. works like in any of us when it comes to credit. Right. Hopefully you don't have more credit card debt than you are making than your salary, right? Because then, you know, things can get uh, pr- pretty tight, right? Money gets pretty tight. Now, the only difference is um, when you, the listener, have more debt than you do income, um, that's your problem, right? But <laughs> here's here's the, the funny part. When the government has more debt than income, that's also your problem <laughs> because the government is going to make its money back through what? taxes, taxes, and that's why I personally believe taxes will be raised in the next 18 months, because we're going to have to address this debt issue soon. If we don't, right, and here's why I believe it's going to be addressed. I'm going to break this down for you guys. If we don't address this issue, we're going to see a tight fiscal policy, right? Um, And what that means, not monetary, monetary is the, the Fed and the Fed has already been tight fiscal is how the government spends its money. Um, We're going to see a tightening fiscal policy. For example, government shutdowns, right? Two have been avoided in the last month or so. And the reason that this is always an option on the table is because uh, government agencies, uh, FBI, CIA, whatever it may be, um, operate off of tax dollars. And so the the government is trying to hold on to those taxes by saying, we have to shut you down for a little bit. Um, But it's not fair. Right. Because there are people working for these these agencies that, you know, rely on this this uh, income to live. Right. They have families to feed. They have themselves to feed. So it's unfair Um, to further that conversation. We are going to look at history because we all know history repeats itself. Now, we're going to go back to um, a little bit uh, of the, the, the early 90s. Uh, political campaigns, right? Bill Clinton, right, president during the early '90s. Uh, the Clinton and Gore campaign wanted to address the debt issue in the United States, right? It was it was kind of a deficit how we are now, where our debt is higher than our GDP. And Clinton said, "Well, the one way we can do this, right? At least in his opinion, the the most effective way to do it was to raise taxes." Now he raised taxes for. The top 1% of the United States, right? Their taxes went up, I believe, about 3% in what was known as the Omnibus Reconciliation Act of 1993. So go go, fact check me, guys. Uh, he raised taxes for the top 1% earners of the United States and lowered it for the middle class. Now, this wasn't uh, well received by that 1% or you know the, the large companies who fell into this Um, people on Wall Street making trades. And, you know, it it wasn't well received by a lot of people, um, but it was necessary. Right. He took a necessary step that, you know, bettered the the ability of our country standing. Um, Now, you could argue that, you know, taking money from anybody against their will is not morally right. You know, taxes can can be tricky, right? And some say, well, you should take it from those who have it as opposed to those who don't, right? Conversation of the haves and the have nots or whatever you want to call it. Um, But that's a totally different conversation. (laughs) I'm just here to give you the facts. And the fact is that it worked, right? Um, In 1998, five years later, um, the government had its first budget surplus. So um, more cash than debt. Uh, in almost 30 years up to that point, right, from 98 back to the 60s was when the last time um, there was a surplus before then. So it worked, right? Um, And again, history repeats itself. Now, the issue is uh, our two presidential candidates, uh, or who are most likely to be candidates, they're not official yet. uh, But uh, President Biden and former President Trump, um, so far, at least according to the, the the people of Wall Street, right? These, these big uh, financial company CEOs and what have you. Um, I listen to what they say in their opinion on politics, at least on the side of the economy. Um, obviously, I wouldn't pay attention to them for social reform and climate change and things like that. But when it comes to money, they know their stuff. So their opinion, uh, the trend I've been seeing is that neither Biden or Trump have a solid economic growth plan. Right. So uh, which means we as Americans may be in trouble if the next person to sit in office doesn't have a plan to address this issue, because if the issue is not addressed again, what are we going to see? Government shutdowns. We're going to see less cash flow to spend on schools, uh, roads, um, money given to universities, um, health, the health system, uh, research and development. Um, infrastructure, all these parts of our country, we're going to see a huge slow up in it, right, which is is not going to help the stock market. Um, It's not going to help how companies perform at all. It's going to hurt them. Right. So um, the issue needs to be addressed. And so in my opinion, and and only my 21 year old recent college graduate opinion, (laughs) uh, taxes will be raised right now. That's only one part of this conversation the most important part is well what what do you do right What, what does the listener do you're listening like well christian what what can i do to make sure that um i don't get butchered by taxes right well i'm gonna give you two ways to lower your tax liability right tax liability is essentially your taxable income right what the government counts on your your tax form to say we want a percentage of that number right how to lower that number well Two ways anybody listening can do this. Um, Anybody of of all ages, as a matter of fact, right? A Roth IRA and municipal bonds. Now, you all may have heard of the Roth IRA. Municipal bonds are a little less uh, popular, but Roth IRA. Just give you a brief explanation for it. Um, Essentially, think of it as your employer 401k, uh, but you own it right? It's not through your employer. It's not through anyone else. It's solely in your name attached to your Social Security. It belongs to you. Uh, your 401k is pre tax dollars, right? Meaning, before you get paid, excuse me, before you get paid, uh, your job takes that money out and goes right into your 401k. Uh, so it's not taxed on the front end. On and Roth IRA, it is taxed on the front end. Um, you pay an after-tax dollar. So whatever checks you bring home in your pocket, um, you have to go open this account yourself and then pay it, right? Now, here's the important part. Both a 401k and an, a Roth IRA grow tax deferred. So the money in that account, if you put it um, in like CDs, if you want to go safe and just let it sit in the bank, or if you choose to put it in stocks or at various funds, Regardless, it's growing tax deferred as the money grows, it's not being taxed. But for the 401k, when you take it out, it will be taxed at your ordinary income rate. So if your tax rate is, you know, twenty eight percent, I believe that's uh, close to to the average twenty eight percent, 28 percent of that money will be taken when you pull it out, which is most likely when when you retire, because it's a retirement fund. the Roth IRA is also a retirement fund, but because you put the money in yourself, it is a tax-free event when you pull that money out, right? Tax-free event when you pull that money out. There are also tax benefits for contributing to it, right? Um, Not directly lowering your income because it is after tax, but... If you report contributions on your tax return, um, it can help with getting a higher return. So that's something I want you all to know. Um, Roth IRAs, you can open it through any um, investment dealer. So if you uh, even even most banks, by the way, so you don't have to go, you know, the fancy way like a Charles Schwab account um, or something like that. If you bank with Bank of America, Navy Federal, um, Capital One, whatever it may be. They should have something in there, some information in there for you about a Roth IRA. Um, you can contribute, I believe, uh, $7,000 a year now. Don't quote me on that because it was raised last year. Uh, Biden did raise it. But it was around six or 7000 a year, um, the max that you can contribute. And again, the money's yours, guys. It's not like you're throwing it at the wind and just hoping it, it comes back to you. The money is yours. Um, you're not allowed to withdraw it until you are 59 and a half years old, not sure why the half was there, but 59 and a half years old, um, you take it out. And uh, it's yours. It's yours tax free right now. If you take it out early, um, there will be a 10% penalty for taking it out early. That's the kicker, right? Um, but just treat it like it's a normal retirement fund, right? You don't expect to take money out of your 401k unless you have to, right? So treat the Roth like that. Um, just tr- treat it mentally like like it's there it's yours uh, but just give it some time let, let it cook you know take a step back add to it every year um, and you should have some some sizable growth by the time you retire um, and you're saving some money on taxes right if taxes do end up being raised now that's the first way Roth IRA the second way is municipal bonds so Man, I could do a whole episode on bonds, right? Uh, in, in itself, which I will do. Let me know in the comments, guys, if you want one. Uh, but I guess I'll, I'll give you a brief definition of what a bond is. A bond is is basically uh, loaning out money, right? You're the you're the bond holder. You lend out money to a company or the government, uh, whatever it may be, for a set period of time, and they pay you yearly interest. Example: you loan you loan out a thousand dollars to Uh, the US government, right? And what's known as treasuries, they pay you 8% a year, you get 80 bucks a year, right? And at the end of that, you um, at the end of the tenure of the bond, let's say the bond is five years long, you get your $1,000 back, plus all the interest that you've accrued over um, the years. Um, The interest is taxed, uh, but it is interest, right? It's, It's money you're getting for literally doing nothing, right? So municipal bonds, though, different than regular government bonds. Municipal bonds are state bonds. So I live in the state of New Jersey, for example, right? I buy a New Jersey state bond. um, And that bond municipal bonds will go towards uh, state activity. So if the state wants to give more money to uh, public schools, if they want to uh, pave the new roads or, or, or repave old roads to make them new, right? Um, if they want to have construction for uh, new state legislator buildings or whatever it may be, if they want to donate to nonprofits, whatever it is, um, the money you're giving them goes towards that uh, for the municipal bonds. So in my opinion, not only are you um, making money, right? Because you're getting your interest every year, uh, but you're giving it towards a, a really good cause, cause, right? So if, if you're um, a municipal bond holder, you could actually be contributing to, you know, your neighborhood uh, looking a little better, right? Maybe they have more money to come plant trees, um, fund the local, um, you know, nonprofit institutions in your community, right? Um, so you're really doing a good thing for your community by owning these municipal bonds. Now, at the end of this bond tenure, when you get it back, um, there's a difference between municipal bonds and other bonds. Municipal bonds are tax free completely, I'm talking federal, state and local tax exempt for simply holding this bond for however long it is, um, as little as a year up to usually around uh, 10 to 20 years, uh, holding it for that long. You get your money back and it's yours, guys. Um, it's it's yours. Uh, so you are saving money. You're putting money away to the side. You're saving it and you're getting it back tax free. So Um, Those are two ways, Roth IRA and municipal bonds, um, that you guys can avoid some extra taxes. Again, solely my opinion that taxes will be raised. I cannot confirm or deny it. Um, I wish I could deny it because no one wants to to pay more taxes. But in reality, it's a a possible outcome of our current uh, fiscal situation, you should say. But that's why I'm here, guys, to give you guys um, as much free information as possible, as much digestible, useful information as possible. Um, please, please, please leave some comments. Give me some feedback on what you all think. Uh, give me some ideas of what you what you want to learn more next. Um, if it's about municipal bonds, if it's about retirement accounts and other ways to lower your taxable income, please leave some comments. Let me know. Um, Once again, I am your host Christian Fields. Thank you all for tuning in and see you all next week.